Welcome, friends. This is the Spade Spoon Soul podcast about all the ways that food intersects with our faith from seed to spade to spoon. Hi, I'm Jennifer Baskerville Burroughs, and I am the Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Indianapolis, which covers the central and southern Indiana part of the state of Indiana. And I am so delighted about our show today. I'm going to let Brian, my sort of co-conspirator here, introduce himself. But oh my gosh, people, just wait. Brian? We're going to have fun today. And I am, I'm from uh, both the Diocese of Spokane and the Diocese of Olympia in Washington State. But I'm sitting in my home diocese uh, today of Minnesota. and. Uh, I was telling the, the rest of the folks that uh, my sister lives nearby and um, Jimmy Carter, her dog, would probably provide a bit too much ambient sound. So I, you know, checked out the closest Episcopal church to me and just so happens uh, um, the dean is a friend of Jennifer and mine and he might even, uh, uh, you know, audio bomb us uh, uh, midway, but grateful to St. Mark's Cathedral for having me today. So today we're going to talk with Sean Steele and uh, Molly Carr. So let me get the rolling pin rolling by introducing uh, Sean to everyone. This guy is the vicar and founding uh, church planter of a community, uh, it's five years old, in Spring, Texas, which is just site outside of Houston in the Diocese of Texas. And he'll tell us about the name, it's St. Isidore. Um, and you know, Sean, by way of introduction, is always looking for people who are left out by how we traditionally do church. So, um, you know, he's got quite a background. He could have been a traditional priest. He's got a Bachelor of Business Administration from the University of Texas, Hook'em Horns, and an MA from, of, in Theology from Creighton University in Omaha, another one of my places I love. And MDiv from the Seminary of the Southwest. And most importantly, He's a uh, International Coaching um, Federation coach, which I am working towards. So I just had to shout that out. A little uh, St. Isidore is an amazing place. It's got um, a whole shopping list of different really awesome ministries. Uh, Grogan's Mill, Taco Church, you want to hear about that? Slow Church, Kitchen Table Church, the list goes on and on. It's the Kraken of the Episcopal Church. Um, so, uh, so uh, Jennifer, why don't you introduce Molly? Yes, and so, um, oh my gosh, this team. The other person, the other guest is the co-conspirator with Sean is Molly Carr. And Molly Carr has the title I wish I could have if I were not Bishop. She's the executive chef and chief and a kitchen pastor, like kitchen pastor, y'all, of the Abundant Harvest Kitchen. She's a native Texan and loves to bring people together around the table. And she has um, a lot of degrees with things I just love, sports medicine, culinary arts, youth ministry, pastoral care, and religious education, which is, I think, just the perfect combination of experiences and gifts. She is currently working on her doctorate in church entrepreneurship and is part of the Marianist uh, community who invites people to share in Mary's mission of making Christ present in every age and culture, which seems like is exactly how she's living her life. So I'm really excited about hearing about all the things. Now, I used to wrap ankles in the sports medicine department in college. That was my work study job. 
So between that and the food, I think we're going to have a billion things to talk about. So welcome to you both. Yes, I joke and say that the sacrament for the, the church in our times right now is unction. Um, it's uh, it, being a old Roman Catholic, I call it a sacrament, sacramental. It's unction because it seems to be the, the, the thing that, that I live into most in my, my vocation. But if there's a second, it's definitely sports medicine, ankle wrapping, knowing things about the, the, the soft tissue injuries, <laughs> things like that. I would say that that was an unexpected necessary skill to do church the way that we've done. Oh church. my gosh. Well, <laughs> we're going to have to hear more about that. <laughs> You two can flip a coin since you're sitting there together. So the question is, our first question always, is where are you rooted? A place, a community, open-ended question. Just tell us where you're rooted. The easy answer, right, is to say faith. Um, that's the one that, that we all want to, to jump to. And I think that that is true. But I think that for me, it's a particular part of faith. And it's something that we here at St. Isidore have been really trying to own and reclaim uh, because in our context of ministry, it's, it's a word that is beautiful and powerful, but I think also has caused a lot of damage and shame in people's lives, believe it or not. And that word is grace. Um, so we live in a context where people have used grace to glorify God and say, God is so great because you're so bad and that God loves you anyway. Um, that's kind of a, a classic misinterpretation um, if, you, if you spend enough time in, in, in these areas is that the glory of God is because God loves you despite the fact that you aren't worthy of that love. And I think that for me, it's it's quite the opposite. It's um, the grace, uh, the rooting is in the fact that I believe that I am thoroughly loved because I'm worthy of love being made in the image of God. And that's what gives me the courage to be honest and be creative uh, and to be in the world and in places where people are dying to, to know that uh, on a cellular level. Um, but it's such a hard thing to communicate Um in a culture that is just constantly wrapped in shame. And so that's partly why we have done so, you know, our, we talk about our mission as being um, creating experiences around the table that feed the body, nourish the soul and transform the community. And the nourish the soul part <laughs> is really eradicating shame and helping people get rooted in grace. So I would say that, that, that that's it. And then, and then I think for me, also more practically is my family. I mean, I, we, we've done this work together and that's something that really centers me and, and kind of keeps me in my body. So, well, for, for me, I would, I would jump right to the, the people is, is who I'm rooted in, um, whether it is the um, community of faith that I'm a part of or um, the people of my chosen family or my family. I think that's where I have found my ability to put down roots more than anything. And it's because of those people that I have seen um, and the church, for lack of a better word, it's because of the people of the church, the church that I have seen the glory of God and the grace of God and the love of God and the healing of God um, and the bringing of wholeness. So I find that in the people that I have been with, that I am with. Thank you both for that. And um, I just uh, will note here that you've gotten us off to a pretty wonderful start by going deep, you know, just thinking about where you're rooted. And it's a reminder to me of how, much I think I may take for granted the assumption that God loves you, 
no exceptions. This is Pride Month. That's something we're saying with as much gusto as we can. And that to be rooted in grace, to be rooted in understanding that God loves you first <laughs> and always, like how radical and necessary a message that is, um, cannot be amplified enough. And to be able to share that message in the way you do um, makes me just want to come on down and be with you in person. Like we're going to have to make that happen. Sean knows I've asked, I've said that you're like in the pandemic, but we'll get there. So thank you for launching us with such a beautiful um, way of grounding us um, in understanding what roots you. So, so when you think about um, creation and all the places in which you find yourselves doing this important ministry, rooting people in grace, um, you know, tell us how creation nourishes your soul. And maybe we can keep that open-ended too, to think about that in whatever way you might want to, to um, offer it. How does creation nourish your soul? I think I'll go, I'll go first. Thank I don't you. mind. But <laughs> I think for me, if we talk about creation, we talk about being creative. And um, I think one of the things that I've been blessed enough to be able to do in my ministry is help people live into where they are the most creative. For me, it is it's sometimes in cooking, and I know there's artists out there. There are people who are creative in thinking up math problems and how to solve them and, and engineer. And it, there's so many ways to be creative. And what I like about that is when we live into that creativeness of who we are, we are living into that that image of God that we are all created in, that, that God, the creator, wants us to be creative, that he, that is when we are truly showing that Imago Day that we have, that we can show others who God is by allowing ourselves to be creative. And that the things that we create, the creation is then not only our offering to God, but also it's our offering of ourselves, which I think that's really what God wants is for us to offer ourselves to him. And so I love the fact that creation is a part of, of who we are and what we do here at St. Isidore's, whether that's in our garden and allowing people to garden or our volunteers and allowing them to cook or our um, food pantry people figuring out how we're going to feed 700 families with the food bank didn't deliver that week. So <laughs> lots of creative <laughs> creativeness happening around here. I really appreciate the question. And I love your answer, Molly, because that, that I can, I can quickly go to a place of like, Oh, I don't know if it does. And um, that's helpful for me. So this is, this is a great question and a complicated question for me because I've always understood the value of creation, but I will, I could not sit here for most of my life and tell you that it fed me um, not in a conscious way or an intentional way. Um, I always knew that there was a sort of command to respect creation and be a good steward of creation. And I took that very seriously. Um, but I, I have really not been connected to my body in a, in, or in a nurturing kind of healing kind of earthy way. Uh, I've, I live in my head or I have lived in my head for most of my life. Um, so I was always really attracted to people who kind of have that gritty presence. And so my spouse, for instance, we've been married for 20 years and she is the epitome of sort of like granola in the dirt, nurturing creation. I mean, I, I, I couldn't even go into how 
how deeply that is, is her. And so in some ways, I, I think I admired that. But recently, I will tell you that I have awakened this in me. I mean, I've always been supportive of it. I've always recognized it, but I wasn't in touch with it um, because the body for me, the creation, the creative part was more of a sort of like a meat like vehicle. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Uh, you know, I would treat it as if it was just sort of this thing that was supposed to achieve all of the things my conscious mind uh, and therefore my soul wanted it to do. But I never really tended to it and cared for it and treated it in the way that it was worthy of and respectful of. And so I think I'm in this new stage of my life now where I think creation is nurturing me a lot more than it ever has in the food that I eat and the intentionality that I take in that and the time that I'm spending outside in the way that I'm noticing that I can commune and be in and with nature. Um, and also the beauty of stewarding the earth, not just as a commandment, but as a spiritual practice, as a way that is sort of cyclically um, uh, providing a give and a receive um, that I don't necessarily know I've ever understood in the past that I'm, I'm just leaning into. So I love the question. Um, and I, I think I can say that I'm a novice in it right now uh, and that it is happening. And I can say that with integrity. <laughs> Whereas um, I usually just surrounded myself with people who did that. Um, and so it's, it's a nice question. So thank you. Well, thank you. Appreciate that honesty too. You know, like we're in different places here. And so I love that. With that as a sort of a backdrop, let's, pun intended, Let's sort of dig in uh, to some of the things that get you most excited about St. Isidore, Abundant Table Kitchen, and all the other remarkable things that you're doing, you know, but um, really love to hear about, you know, because we're all into the, the spade and the spoon and the soul, uh, so we really love to hear how food um, relates to your work. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um... I can jump off. Molly will definitely be able to supplement with um, some <laughs> better, maybe spade language, but I can do some spoon stuff because early on uh, it, when Molly and I were dreaming about St. Isidore and what a church could be like, the one thing that became pretty clear was that it had to be relational and deeply relational, that people had to do life together. Um, and they couldn't just be together, but they had to be in relationship uh, in a certain kind of relationship. Um, one that is facilitated around the, the, the church economic or the gospel economic. And so we early on borrowed a phrase from a Jungian analyst named Pittman McGeehee, uh, who said that, I don't know if you're familiar, he's an Episcopal priest. Um, and he said, you know, Sean, anytime people gather, they should experience dinner and a bath. <laughs> and I said, what? And he said, for him, that's Eucharist and baptism. He said, every time people gather, they should eat together because families eat together. And every time they should have a moment of grace where they realize that they are loved and washed away from any of that self, you know, shame and hatred and, and all those sort of negative thinking and, and negative beliefs they have about themselves. And that was really powerful for me. So early on, we said, we're not really sure what we're going to do, but we know they're going to eat together. <laughs> and so it was, it was sort of a, it has to happen. If we're going to be the church rooted in these values, right. Um, then and we have to eat together because that's where people are really going to get to know each other and get to a level of depth where um, transformation can occur because that can only occur if people can be vulnerable and show themselves. And that happens around the dinner table. And so the, one of the jokes is, is that there's just always food around here and there's always enough food and, and there has to be. And we, we, it's always food that is, is 
complimentary or free. We don't charge people for food. We have a cafe that doesn't charge people. We have a pay as you can cafe that's open four days a week. Um, and so it, it's really that gospel economic that there's something about eating together where people let their guard down um, and they experience a level of vulnerability. So I think that's how the spoon shows up for us. And, it, and it's not just any food. We talked about this early on is, is that we're not just ordering pizza. I mean, that does happen and it's exciting for kids, but, <laughs> but Molly really felt called and we felt called to live into that vocation of cooking food with love. What was the sticker that we had everywhere from that company that love people cook them tasty food or something like that. It was really popular on the spice racks. Um, and so it was really this idea that we are there. There's an offering here that is, that is a sacramental um, in the food that you're receiving, regardless of whether you're rich, poor member, non-member, um, the food is intentionally made. So it's a spade, not so much for me, but <laughs> well, this is a little okay bit if you don't more. get all the elements. That's great. <laughs> a little bit more to that too, is I just adding on to that part about the table is is that eating is the great equalizer, mm. right? That that we tend to box people or you know shelf people in certain ways and um, pigeonhole them or think about them in certain ways. But when we gather around the table and we're all eating the same thing at a common table, I think there's something that that says we are we have we're in this together, um, and uh, it can it can lift people up and it, or it can allow people to see something different than what they what their normal perspective is. And and so that's one of the reasons I really love our common table that we have, um, that when we share meals, the spade part of it is, is the literally we can talk about our community garden that just also that allows us to have fresh um, vegetables and herbs in our kitchen and the um, excess being able to go out into our food pantry. Um, but I think when we talk about the spade, we talk about cultivation and and what are we growing and what are we hoping um, is the fruit of our work. And um, on a very base level, it is to make sure people are fed. And when I say people are fed, I meant that they're fed in their bodies where they have enough food that is healthy that allows them to be able to grow. Um, one of the things that our, our food pantry is very particular about that's different than a lot of food pantries is that we provide fresh produce mm -hmm. every single time. Um, and we provide an abundance of fresh produce mm -hmm. every single time. A lot of it's because we have a partnership with a really great food bank that's able to provide that. But um, we go out of our way to source it from grocery stores that are partners with us, um, multiple um, locations to be make sure we have that for our um, neighbors every single time. And when we also said that we feed people, um, my hope is that they're, you know, that nurse the soul part, that they are fed in their, their souls also when they come, that when they come up, they know my name. I know their name. I know their kid's name. I know that um, we had um, just a, a story. We had one of our um, neighbors who's been coming in for the last couple months getting food with her dad and um, her dad passed away last week. And 
she didn't know where else to come. So she came to the food pantry so that she could sit and be with us and she could cry with us mm -hmm. and she would have someone to cry with. And um, she didn't have that anyplace else, but she had it at all places, the food pantry where she came and got food. And so that kind of um, cultivation of relationships so that people can grow in their faith and love um, is, is a huge part of what the spade is for us at St. Isidore. Yeah. And that doesn't come out of anywhere. So we started right around the pandemic is when we launched really, I mean, we did food pantries and offsite feeding, but it really, we did 40,000 pounds of food the first week of the, of the pandemic and have done, you know, anywhere between 1.2, 1.4 million pounds a year. So we're the second largest pantry in our County. Um, and for a, you know, small little organization that's only six years old. Uh, that's pretty significant. But Molly figured out pretty early on that um, that it wasn't just a depth, like a deficit of food. People had a deficit of food, but they also had a deficit of dignity. And so uh, early on, we were doing all different types of pantries on site, off site. And a lot of it was just you kind of pull up, you put it in your trunk, you get your couple boxes, you move on because there were so many people. But right now, I'd say a majority of our pantries, I don't know what percentage it is, but we actually create a grocery store in our warehouse and people sign up for appointments and they have the dignity of picking their own food. So, I mean, there, there is this sense of my food comes I choose it. It comes from here. I'm, I'm close to it. I'm, I'm, I'm in relationship with it in a way that provides dignity to the person. And I think that's why they show up because from the moment they step in here, we're communicating that, that you have a dignity um, that we're trying to maintain. It's huge. I mean, I just think there's so much, so much you've described that is a restoration of humanity in so many ways. And as you were talking about the creation of this, I, I often quote Michael Battle, the priest theologian, who gave me the quote 15 years ago that, you know, healing some of the things that keep us so polarized and separated. And we were talking about racial reconciliation and justice issues at the time, 15 years ago, but he said, you've got to get people to eat together. And he explained it in a way that really helped shift it to me because I, you know, we were all about food and growing food and doing that at our, at our church. But he said, you know, when you sit around a table and take into something that changes you at the molecular level, and you're doing that it with others, there's something that's more than the sum of its parts. It's, it's a transformative thing and we're people of transformation. And so what I'm hearing from you is that the abundant harvest, like you've created this community that's rooted in that idea that transformation is ongoing and it happens because of the ways in which you gather. And it just sounds incredible. And, you know, we call Molly the kitchen pastor because you know, we, we've launched 16 different missional communities at St. Isidore. Not all of them have worked. We have 11 that are active and they're these small batch communities. But we call Molly the kitchen pastor because what happens when she is cooking with people in the kitchen, right, is transformative. I mean, if you read Michael Pollan's book, you know, and, and he talks about the power of actually cooking together and what happens and what that brings out of people. And that that's it. You know, we have to replace Molly and we have, we have a new chef. Um, and one of the biggest concerns that we had was we, we can't just have a cook. <laughs> like, you can't just be somebody who cooks really good food. This person has to understand that, that we're a church and, and primarily what we're about is the business of, of reconciliation of all things in Christ Jesus and transforming things. And I'm amazed at the conversations and the healing that happens in the kitchen with the volunteers as Molly is intentionally 
curating that space. It's, it doesn't okay. just happen. That's, I mean, so I, I wish, can you do something to help that catch on? You know, <laughs> I, I think that's a thing because we used to have these kitchen table conversations whenever there was conflict in the church and it was, and we would cook because the, cook, the people had to be fed on Wednesday night, but there's something about that. And I, I wonder, have you thought about ways this podcast is one of them. We hope people will hear this and get excited about the kind of work and ministry you're doing and how you're doing it. But if anything should go viral, I think that's that's one of the things we need to spread around. So what do you like to cook? Like when you're cooking and cooking with others, what are the things that get a lot of play? Daughter Puya, she's a Southern woman. <laughs> okay. Not only that, I'm an old Southern woman. <laughs> Don't let her say French food. She's great at that, but she's a Southern woman. Let me tell you. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, I am an old Southern woman. So, I like to think of myself that I do uh, South United States food with a French twist. So, that's that would, if someone's asking my point of view on yeah. cooking, that's um, with French technique. So, um, I, I am, uh, I, people like my gumbo. I'm a pretty big fan of, uh, the gumbo or truffle mac and cheese is my favorite. <laughs> I will do, uh, I will throw down some mac and cheese with you. Uh, that is for sure. That's my favorite yeah, food. Yeah. So that's what I like to cook for me. But I, I think it is, um, for me, that's, uh, when I say I like to cook that because it brings back the memories that I had. Um, cooking with my grandmother. And when I cooked with my grandmother, I felt this love and this nurturing that happened with her as she was teaching me and correcting me and, and, and being with me. Mm. Um, and that's what, that's what I hope that I'm doing when I'm having those other, when people are cooking um, with me, that they're getting that same um, not just mentorship and, and how to cook, but it's also, it's this, you are a value to me and, um, I appreciate you for who you are and what you're doing, but I appreciate you for just being, um, and I think that translates into the food that, that people eat is that they know that it's not just industrial thrown out um, microwaved things, but it's, it's this thing that has been created by a community in, I, I say in love, but I don't mean, you know, a, a community of love for a community that is loved and the people who eat the food. And you know, those Lush stickers, that Lush brand that is like facial cream where they put it was made by. No, I mean, it, oh, this, is yeah, that, yeah. this is that we we have stickers that we will go out on oftentimes, depending on what it is on the food that says abundant harvest made by a, and the person signs it. So you like, you know, that somebody actually made this for you. Um, on this podcast, you know, we all have sort of our biases. I, I lean heavy on the spade. Jennifer leans heavily on the spoon, yeah. but she's really good in the garden too. So, <laughs> you know, she's having a hard time sitting still because she's so excited but kind of one of my um, real interests is how do we steward you know i always talk about how do we steward our land assets how do and in this conversation just reminds me yet again how do we steward all of our kitchen assets mm -hmm. 
in the church. A lot of our churches, these traditional churches, now you've broken the mold, but a lot of our churches have commercial grade kitchens, you know, that might be used once a week to unwrap the Costco pinwheel sandwiches um, for in between services, but it just sits there empty. So, you know, let's, let's make this viral. Give us some ideas. You know, Which one just happened today. So we, we, we have to generate X amount of dollars in catering for us to be sustainable. So this whole business model is pretty significant. We're not a small operation. So we're talking about a $650,000 operation where 65% of our budget is kind of outreach in these outreach structures. And so the church is meant to be kind of small, but I mean, we have to generate a good bit of money, both through grants, donations, and social enterprise, right? Apart from the church. So, I mean, that's a different podcast, different model, but we have to do these catering gigs, these sort of social enterprise things. And we got an offer um, for a catering gig about an hour away, but we can't do it because they don't have a commercial kitchen on site. And so I contacted the local Episcopal church, who is a, a friend of mine and said, Hey, listen, we have this opportunity. And his response was, Sean, we have this beautiful kitchen. We just don't have the, the chef resources. And I said, well, I got the chef and I got the job. And he said, well, we're blowing up. I said, well, start selling catering gigs and we will, we will send the chef and we'll split it. We'll figure it out. There are so many people out there that are looking for a licensed commercial kitchen and a way for them to get their business started. And it can be a sort of mission in that part of one of our missions is incubating small businesses. That is gospel work is getting people jobs. I mean, we're going we're to be in a crisis here pretty quickly in this gig environment for folks where they're, they're needing jobs. And you know, starting a small business or a company and, and letting people know, hey, come and use this and just pay us rental fees, pay us a little bit more. Who knows where it will go? Um, and so I think there are a lot of people out there, if they got over the barriers to entry and somebody said, hey, we'll back you, we'll help you get your insurance. You can use this facility. We have these resources. And I, I just think it's, it's, it's thinking about church in a way that is different and not particularly new, Right. The ancient church or the church for a long, not ancient, but I mean, like the, the church for a long time wasn't uh, allergic to, to making money as it were, whether it was for making beer or making wares or using their market or things like that. It's sort of only now that we're kind of allergic to this idea of generating income, um, taxable income as well. So, uh, so that's a perfect opportunity that just came up in the conversation today. Yeah, I always say, um, and upsets people, but I say we need to be less Franciscan and more Benedictine. Yeah, we need to, you know, we need to be less with the begging bowl and more with selling beer and making yeah, amen. Um, yeah, amen. Is where we are now. Yeah, I mean, we have a gym here. So we have a we have a full functioning gym and have three personal trainers that, that utilize it to get their small business. Come going. on. Seriously? Yeah. yeah, yeah. we've got a full gym here. And um, so like we have that we have a commercial kitchen, we have the cafe. Um, and so we're building a concert venue or that's my next goal is that I want to take the outside and build a concert venue for us to start doing farmers markets and different things. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, we can creatively use our space to create jobs for people. And let me tell you, they are grateful. I mean, they are so grateful. Uh, they, uh, they are really, really grateful. But it's the array of, I mean, I just, this, I mean, the whole entrepreneurship um, aspect of it and giving people a license to be part of the community in ways that allows them to have a future they might not have otherwise imagined. Yeah, that's right. And the support. Oh my gosh, it just sounds phenomenal. Can we back up just a little bit? Like, tell me, I mean, for each of you, I mean, this is just really a different way of pastoring and nurturing a community. 
So, so what was the thing that got you on this path to begin with? I mean, was it, you know, I don't want, you know, people ask about well, your call story and all of this stuff, but was there something that clicked for you one day that made you go, you know, the kitchen? The, I mean, what, what do you, you're laughing, so tell me. Like, what was it? need to go first on this one. Okay. <laughs> we like to call it our superhero origin story. Mm. Okay. Bring it on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Origin story. It, it kind of started, uh, we were, I was at a traditional church um, in a traditional family minister role. And um, my daughter came home from foster care. And when she came home from foster care, she uh, was very blunt and told me I was a horrible cook. Um, and so <laughs> me being the Enneagram seven, I am, I said, Oh, well, I'll go to culinary school and I'll learn how to cook for my seven-year-old. Um, and uh, so I went to culinary school and as I was doing that, um, I'm slightly competitive and I like to win. And so I would practice for my exams by cooking for the church staff. And so it, that was right about when food trucks were kind of starting to be a thing. They were brand new and whatever. And so we had this joke running around the staff of wouldn't it be funny, ha ha ha, if we had a food truck and we would tweet out where we were going to be and they would do some kind of, you know, prayer service and then Molly would serve tacos. Oh my gosh, <laughs> ha ha, that would be funny. And um, uh, so we would continue to joke about it. Um, and as it turned out, my daughter um, had PTSD. And, and so I don't know if you know this about people who have PTSD, but their sense of smell is really, really strong. So any kind of flavorful food or anything with aroma tastes horrible to them. So it turns out I wasn't a bad cook after all. I just got to be a better cook. <laughs> but we kept on judging uh, or we kept on um, joking about this uh, food truck idea. And we would sit and have hallway meetings and go, ah, 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 wouldn't it be funny if we were out serving tacos now with me and a couple of the priests at that traditional church? And then Sean came on as a curate and um, we were having one of those hallway meetings and he walked by and, and he had this look on his face and he was like, Oh, and, and we were like, ah, ha, 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 funny food truck. Uh, and he goes, I love that idea. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to start a whole church based on the food truck. And I looked at him and I said, well, you're dumb. And uh, when you raise a hundred thousand dollars for that food truck, you just let me know and I'll come and I'll be your chef thinking never in a million years is he going to do that and that's when I again learned the lesson never doubt what Sean can do uh, because a year later he had crowdsourced the money for a food truck and said are you ready to jump off a bridge and yeah. I said I'm in the middle of a midlife crisis that's a perfect yeah. idea let me do that she literally had a dream a nightmare where she drove off a cliff and she walked in the next day it's like okay I'll do it <laughs> okay great that is not wrong <laughs> So I had been yeah, working so on, I had, this is how it works. I've been working on a model of church you know, with my background in, in entrepreneurship and finance and, and, and just business modeling about what my paradigm shifting question was, what do we do for the people who will never come to our beautiful churches? And so oftentimes we change the question before we change the paradigm. We say, well, we'll make ourselves more welcoming. It's like, that's not the question. No matter how welcoming you make yourself, there's always going to be somebody that doesn't want to come. So what do we do for them? Yes. So how do we bring our beautiful tradition out into the world? And so created this model of sort of a dispersed sacramental church. And like I said, that's a different podcast, but the, the struggle for us 
is now and always has been from the beginning of the model is how do we cultivate a common identity when we are a radically dispersed community? And so we've had to lean on, you know, instruments of communion and the historic angle of the church, all different kinds of ideas, technology. But the one piece that I knew was we needed to have an icon that represented who we are. And that was, as I was figuring that out, I heard Molly say that. And I was like, you, you just solved the problem because that epitomizes what we're trying to be and do as this sacramental church in the world that is, you know, so we, cause, cause there's nothing like driving by your church and saying, Hey, that's my people. That's like, that's my place. What I realized is, is that even the tabernacle ended in the temple. <laughs> so the story I tell now is, is that it's great to tabernacle, but we do have to stack our rocks, right? Like the rocks need to get stacked. Um, and, and so, but we just kind of did it inverted. And so now we're still in that, you know, the pandemic changed some things. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the same core values about feeding people, being in the world, being creative, uh, treating our tradition as, as if it was sacred and not fragile. Um, with a reverence, um, we're not going to break it. Um, and, but, you know, uh, we do need to be respectful. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that the one thing Molly and I both share is a radical love of the church. And I think that the best creativity comes out of love, not resentment. And as I've traveled around a lot of circles where people are doing creative things, a lot of times the creativity is powered by a resentment or an anger, you know, um, and, you know, it's kind of like a burn it down. I'm so angry at it. I want to do something new. And that that can work, I think, for a time and in certain ways. But for Molly and I, it's always been we found Jesus at an ultra rail. <laughs> like we love it. We love it so much. We have to have a hard conversation and say, hey, maybe you've gotten maybe you've gotten a little too protective and maybe not maybe a little lazy. And so how about we get out there and bring the best of how we understand this this, this tradition and this this movement and, and start being creative with it because we love you. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. Love that. Thank you for sharing that. That, that helps. I mean, this, you know, this idea, this image of bringing the nourishment and the, the love and the gospel values to people, right? Like you're getting a food truck literally says you're going to be out and about and amongst where people are and meeting them actually literally where they are, assuming that they may never come to your church door or whatever, but you, you, you make a way and an entry point. And Bishop, we found that to be really true because six months after we had the food truck is when Hurricane Harvey hit. Yeah. And it was the instrument which allowed us to go into the communities in ways that we would have never been able to as looking like I do as a you know white cis woman going into these you know um, neighborhoods that had been devastated by Harvey where I didn't look like anybody there. But I, 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 that food was that commonality that we could share that, that, that gave us this entryway into places that we never could have gotten to if, if we were doing traditional work. That's right. You know, I don't know how much time we have left, but Brian, I, I, I feel compelled to talk about what you said and your passion about connecting to the earth. And I will tell you, I'm in a, I'm in a new place with that. I don't want to let that go because it's, it's a growing area for me. I mean, we've done all this great work, but I am a, I'm really nascent in my understanding of the power and the importance of that historically. And I'm so appreciative of people like you who are still having the courage because we're getting so disconnected and we're encouraging people to be disconnected in a way that is, that is really orphaning them and orphaning parts of their soul that, that is really tragic. And as somebody who, I mean, I can talk the Jesus game really good and I'm a pretty good prayer and I, I can do all of that, but I was so unaware of how, 
malnourished parts of my soul were because of my disconnection to the earth and the reverence of the earth. And I, I just, I don't know, I don't have much to offer other than a support for what you're doing and somebody to stand behind you and say, I'm ready to learn because there is a power and a beauty that we have lost that is not just about being a good steward. It's not just about following the commandment. That's how I always thought it. That, that's, how, that's how it always resonated with me. It's just follow the law that really is about developing me as a human and as a Christian and, and connecting myself with my body and things. And, and I'm, I'm just grateful that y'all are doing this um, because, um, because I need it. And we need you. We, you know, um, we, we really want this podcast to go viral. There's, there's so much in it and uh, we will definitely be scheduling um, episode two um, uh, with, with you guys. Um, and we'll really look forward to, uh, you know, Molly's new ministry in the future um, because we know she's not retiring, um, but she's going off to do other cool things. That's right. So um, <laughs> she knows that. But um, this has been, this has really been wonderful. Thank you. Brian, don't you think we need to, I mean, I like the podcasting thing, but maybe we need to expand and start getting on. I mean, we need a field trip. I was, I was actually, I was actually thinking the combined food and faith podcast and spade spoon soul also known as triple S needs to have a retreat, a joint retreat, um, you know, to the abundant kitchen. In St. Isidore. Uh, I don't know. Um, I think our, our good producer would agree with that. Um, so, well, Bishop, next time you're down to Camp Allen for the House of Bishops, we're only an hour away. Oh, seriously? Well, you, oh, my goodness. Okay. You need, to roll your, you need to roll your truck out. We do. The House of Bishops. We do. We go out to Camp Allen. Molly goes, she was there two weeks ago at Camp Allen. Not even last week. Oh my gosh, really? They were holding out on us. Maybe, you know, we're still in the pandemic and trying to keep things tight. I think that's kind of what we were doing in our first in-person House of Bishops meeting. But now that we know, <laughs> we're going to be making kind of different plans. And so I would definitely love to follow up on that because I think you you, you two are um, have created a different vision for what the church can be and do and, and how we might approach it. And I know you've been inspiring so many, not just in the Episcopal church, but, you know, in the, the broader faith community. And so I just, um, grateful for the ways in which you're leading so deeply, faithfully and creatively. Brian, are we at the end of the, is there, I mean, I, yeah, I, we're, well, you know, I, you know, I think that I'm this, not the this, time, I'll talk all this day. is, this, this is a wrap. Uh, for uh, today's Faith, Spoon, and Soul, also known as Triple S. And if you want to know more about us, you know, you can find us on our Spade, Spoon, Soul Facebook page, or you can email us at spadespoonsoulpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we want to thank our producer, Derek Weston, who also happens to be a Presbyterian pastor, community organizer, urban farmer, filmmaker, goes on and on, so super talented. And also Jay Sidebotham, another multi-talented person who helps our um, art happen, our wonder art, and Ryan Lee for the groovy music that opens and closes our podcast. We're grateful for all of it. So before we totally wrap this episode, I just want to take a point of personal privilege. I want to give a big, huge shout out to the Food and Faith podcast. They just celebrated their 100th 
episode and you know you can google them you can find them on you know probably spotify apple all the platforms but uh we really love derek anna and sam uh, for inspiring this podcast and then also i, I really want to thank dean paul lebenzinglin and uh, the canon pastor of this cathedral tim kingsley for letting me crash here today uh, to do this recording so until next time we hope you will find ways to connect your soul to your spade or your spoon or both take care friends bye